Tonight, the, the topic is um, what I did to prepare for marriage and what I learned about what I did to prepare for marriage. And so we have couples. Uh, Kelly's going to give her, she gave her testimony last week. She actually is divorced. So she has some uh, good information for you. And then uh, Sean and Mandy were going to speak, and Sean's ill. So Mandy gets his space. And uh, then uh, the Clarks are going to end it up. And then we're going to have a panel instead of worship. We're going to have a timer, so they're not going to talk forever. But then at the end, we're going to have a panel. And we have a number up here. If I could get the number on the screen. So if at any time you get, like they'll say something and it triggers a question, text a question, text your question to this number. It's going to stay on the screen all night. And then during the panel, we'll bring those, the questions will appear on the screen and then we'll go from there. So, what's that? Oh, thank you. It is anonymous. We will not know who you are. So, feel free to ask anything. You will find that in our ministry, we are a pretty candid ministry. So, you're going to hear some awesome things tonight, some tips for you. So, uh, we'll ask Mike and Ashley to come up first. And we're going we're gonna to time it. So they're going to do 15 minutes. Uh-huh. Sweet. Well, I am Mike, for those of you who don't know me. This is my wife, Ashley. And uh, we're going to share some stuff on uh, how we prepared and how we didn't prepare for marriage. And um, so it's going to be pretty fresh and pretty real. And uh, I just want to say uh, one thing. The reason why, you know, why are they even up here talking about being prepared? Um, well, everything you do in life, uh, those of you who have been through Christ's life, know that everything you do, currently have done, are doing right now, everything has an impact on who you are, uh, who you're going to be in the future. So um, what you're doing right now is preparing you for tomorrow, preparing you for the next month, for the next year. So if we can help those of you who are uh, single, dating, uh, uh, engaged, and just uh, in preparation for marriage, and even uh, married people, this can help too, um, then you know, we'll all be better, and that's what we're about is you know, raising up giant slayers. So. So we've been married for just a little bit over a year, and prior to that, we were friends and kind of off and on dated for like five to six years, which I don't recommend anybody in here don't take that advice. That's one of the ways we didn't prep well for marriage. But it definitely gave us plenty of time to prep and like figure out what we were doing right, what we were doing wrong, that kind of stuff. Um, And a common thread of what we'll share tonight is it all comes back to finding your identity, wholeness, and healthy communication. And those are just like the three common threads through everything that we really feel is a big foundation of what has helped us to be successful. Um, And a couple things that we did, we went through Christ's life, which was hugely transformational for us. Um, Prior to that, we were always trying to like work on each other, work on our relationship, whereas we really needed to work on ourselves independently first. Um, And so we both did Christ's life. We both went to um, Lori, who some people here have gone to. Yeah. 
we're really big on counseling here, so it's not something to be ashamed of. We, she actually gave us this analogy where if you're listening to the radio, you're not going to wait until your radio gets super fuzzy to change the station. Like, you're going to be kind of proactive and start finding a station the moment it starts to get fuzzy, and that's kind of what we believe, too. We made it a point when we got married that every year, no matter how awesome or not awesome our marriage is going, like, we're going to go see her or someone. Um, just to be proactive with our marriage and not wait until it gets off track to try to realign. Um, and I have to say, too, like, I have a feeling that after tonight, you guys will hear good advice and things from all these different um, people, but there'll still be people here that'll choose not to listen. They'll still choose to maybe drag themselves in the relationship through the mud, which I get. Like, we did that for a long time. People were giving us awesome advice, and it's your choice. So, Actually, that's a great point. Before we go any further, let's pray for Revelation, because we're not playing here tonight. The person you choose to marry is the absolutely most important decision you will ever make in this lifetime besides serving Jesus. I'm pausing my timer. <laughs> She's pausing her timer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and it's, it's like you almost insult yourself with how little thought, how little you prepare for it, how little you think about it. So... That's what we're doing this for tonight. So pray with me. You can pray with your eyes open. I always do. God, I just pray that you would give revelation tonight. Not just thoughts, not just counseling, not just, mm, that's a good idea, but transformation, Lord, that changes people's hearts and lives from the inside out. So we thank you for these precious people who are sharing so honestly tonight. And we look forward to the transformation. Amen. So one of the first points uh, that we're going to talk about, start the timer again, um, is finding your identity and your voice. Uh, this was a huge uh, key thing to me. Um, in the Bible, it talks about when you're married, uh, two people become one. So essentially, you're going to be half the equation of that one. So if you don't know who you are and what you bring to the table, the person you're marrying really isn't getting that much because... You know, if you don't know you, how are they supposed to know you? Um, so that was a, a pretty big kicker in uh, Ashley and I, my relationship. And I wasn't bringing too much to the table because I didn't know who I was. And uh, through the process of going through Christ's life and a lot of um, uh, just counseling and, and seeking, you know, wisdom from other people, um, I really just went through some tests and uh, figured out kind of who I was and, like, how God created me to be. And through Christ's life, you kind of figure out uh, what you've been through and uh, kind of how it shaped who I was. And once I kind of got that grasp of, wow, this is how God created me to be, and uh, he started speaking uh, into my life and, and who I was and who I was destined to be, I really was able to live out of, uh, of that place uh, and, and find my voice because of that. And, and I always had these, like, ideas and thoughts in my head, like, oh, I should share that. And then it was kind of like, oh, uh, who am I to share that? Uh, nobody, nobody wants to hear that. But as soon as I found my, uh, my identity and my voice, it was really strong that I could, you know, stand up here and just be like, hey, this is, you know, what I think because I know God has placed this in my, in my heart to share. Um, another thought on that is your spouse will not complete you in the sense of, like, finding your identity, finding your wholeness, all that stuff. A lot of times we'll, like, morph into our spouse. So if there's almost like a weaker, someone who hasn't, gotten to that place of wholeness or identity, you're just going to kind of morph into their shadow. 
Um, and if you're trying to find, maybe even right now, if you're dating someone and you think that they are perfect, you're in for a rude awakening because we all have our thing. Um, and if you're looking for someone that's going to completely you, like, you better buckle up because it's going to be a bumpy road. When the tide actually shifts and they need to lean on you for stability or guidance, um, it's not going to be there and it's just going to get flushed out beneath you. Um, and any flaws or kind of lies that you believe or anything that you're going through right now, it might seem small, but when you get on the other side of marriage, it doesn't just subside. It's actually going to be magnified. Um, rhymed. Um, so, because right now when you're dating or maybe just friends, like, you can go home, you can go do whatever you're going to do, and you can kind of figure it out on your own. But when you're married, like, you're together, and you're under one roof, and you need to work together as a team. And, um, and that's kind of one of the things that we did with, um, initially was just learning to communicate. So, we have, like, completely different ends of the spectrum communication ways that we communicate. So this, was, this took us a long time to figure out. It wasn't that we weren't trying. It wasn't that we weren't trying to communicate, figure it out. But um, I'm the kind of person, if I have something in my head, like, I want to talk about it right now. I have all these thoughts coming to me. All right, what's your feedback? Like, what are your thoughts? What do you want to do? And Mike would be like, I have... It kind of looked like that. And, um, <laughs> and so it took us a while, but we learned that, okay, let's put it out on the table, and then let's come back in 10 minutes or tomorrow or at some other point, even if we need to, like, take notes to be able to come back and dialogue with each other about it. And it just changed our relationship drastically. Because um, communication, it's amazing the difficulties that you can go through, but as long as you communicate well, um, you can weather them kind of with no problem and come out stronger because of it. And some of the ways that I help that communication with you know, being like, uh, I don't know what to say because I'm processing it in my head, was actually start writing things down, saying it out loud, you know, processing things outside of my head. So even if I'd say only one sentence to Ashley, it really helped. And a way I prepared before marriage is I started being open and vulnerable with other guys and like, like learning how to communicate what I was thinking and what I was feeling to other, other guys. And that really, uh, it helped broaden just like, if I'm able to be open and, and vulnerable and communicate with other guys really well, then how much more so am I going to be able to do that with my wife, with my best friend? Uh, so that was just like a simple place to start at, like the men's Bible study. Um, it, it opened up or just like going out for coffee or, or whatever. Or like if you're getting mentored by somebody, open up and learn how to communicate what's inside your head. Uh, and even just uh, writing it out and, and like seeing myself write things on a piece of paper was like, oh, wow, that really makes a lot of sense. And it's like right there. I just did that. So it really helped me uh, to just be able to figure out how to communicate my thoughts and, and feelings. Um, another big thing we did through some of the premarital counseling and whatnot was um, setting very specific expectations of what marriage was going to look like for us and even what dating was going to look like leading up till marriage. So little things like who's going to do the dishes, who's going to do mow the lawn, who's going to take out the trash, all these things. And once we actually got into marriage, we had to do reevaluating almost like every week because it looked a lot different than we thought. So that first week, probably first month, I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to make breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, you just hang out on the couch, like, rub your feet, all this stuff. And then we got into, like, one month and one day, and I was like, all right, this is not going to apply. <laughs> this is not sustainable. So we're both super busy. We have things going on. And um, so literally every week we would sit down and just kind of like, all right, we would almost write out a list of what we expected it to look like versus what it looks like and how we might want to adjust. And since we are able to communicate really well with each other, 
Um, I think one of the big reasons we're able to do that is because I know his heart and that he is full force like for us um, and wants the best for us, wants the best for me, wants the best for our marriage. And so we can have really brutally honest conversations. Like, I don't know that this is normal, but we write out lists of like, list five things about me that really bug you. And like we did that with each other and we read them to each other because I want to know if I'm doing something that annoys him. I don't want the little things to eat away at our marriage. If it's like one of the things he said that he wanted in an expectation was for me to walk him to the door and give him a kiss every day when he leaves. It's like that is so simple and easy, but it's something that can really invest and pour into him. Um, Did you have a thought on the expectation thing? Um, I have lots of thoughts on expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you really need to lay it out, like, clear and concise. Like, don't skirt around, uh, well, I kind of want you to do this, but like, if this is something that, y- that you want and you know that this is a desire, like, you need to uh, say it. You need to make it known. Like, if I have an expectation, like, hey, like, I don't really like it when you eat in the kitchen. I'd rather have you eat at the table. Like, if I don't tell her that, then she's never going to know that. Um, but just expecting, like, when I know what to expect from her and what she knows that I'm expecting from her, like, it's not this like, hidden thing and I'm not going to get upset about little things because she knows uh, exactly what I need. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's highlighted portions right here. She's so organized and I'm a little less disorganized. Uh, transparency is the, the next thing. Um, man, this one uh, really uh, cracked me open. Um, growing up, I was very uh, wall here, you know, everyone on this side and me on this side, and nobody else could see through this wall. I had a nice facade of what uh, a nice Christian guy was supposed to look like, and nobody knew uh, just the trash that I, I carried around in my mind and my heart. Um, and when I started being transparent with other guys, it really uh, transformed into... Um, transformation in my own life. Um, and if uh, I wasn't being able to be transparent with um, just kind of normal situations, like, how is that going to transfer into my marriage? So, like, I started with just, you know, being transparent with other guys, and then it led into, um, like, transparency with uh, mentors and then transparency with Ash. And you really need to be transparent because there's going to be conversations that come up about finances. Like, where are you at with your finances? Me and Ashley had to sit down and, and set a pretty hard line um, before we got married because um, we have different, uh, we grew up in different households and we, we learned different things about finances and how to ma- uh, budget and manage your money and everything. And she was a lot better at it than I was. And so I brought uh, some debt into um, the marriage, into the relationship, uh, some credit cards and, and a car- big car payment. And so I had to be transparent about it and be like, hey, this is, this is where I'm at. Like, this is something that we're going to have to deal with. And, um, you know, like, let it be up front. If you are hiding something um, from marriage, from your spouse, from your girlfriend, or from other guys, like, ask yourself, why am I hiding this? What shame uh, is holding me down from sharing this? Because uh, that was super shameful to me because I'm like, man, you've got it all together. Uh, you got your finances good, and it was just, just shame was poured on me from that. But once I was open and transparent about it, uh, she helped me put a budget together. If you haven't put a budget together, uh, Mandy's husband, Sean, he's awesome at budgets. 
Um, and we were able to just uh, knock it out in, in a matter of months. Um, so. Totally, and there's, um, there's a big difference between your history and baggage. So sometimes we have stuff in our history and it brings a lot of shame to us. And those are things, like the shame part is the baggage of it. So we need to just clear that out and work through it. Um, if you're f afraid for any reason to share your history or what's going on or anything in your life, like you need to lay it out on the, out on the table because it's a lot better to get it out in the open on this side of marriage than when the ring's actually on your finger. Um, because if you're scared maybe that the person that you're dating or whatever is going to leave you because of it, then get it, figure that out now, not later, because it's just so critical prior to marriage. Um, a huge thing for us that helped us prepare for marriage, obviously, was stopping having sex. Um, so our, the five to six years that we kind of dated and not, it had to do with that. We got stalled majorly in our relationship because of it. Um, and I won't get into our testimony because everyone's heard that way more times than they care to remember. Um, <laughs> but it was oftentimes for us that we would like smooth things over in our relationship and kind of like numb out by having sex. And so things that we really needed to address kind of didn't get addressed because of that. And, um, and it's crazy how just the physical interaction can really mess with your emotions to help like make the rational thinking very skewed. And so you think you're doing awesome because you have all these warm, fuzzy feelings, but you're actually, like, the whole rest of your relationship is going down the toilet. And, um, and it, it really, when we stopped having sex, we had to address a lot of things, and we had to see, like, do we really like being around each other when we know it's not going to lead to certain items? Um, and and I, it's interesting, too, because you hear a lot of times, like, people, they're so scared to wait till marriage because I wasn't raised that way. I didn't know, I didn't know the right thing, like, was to wait till marriage. I didn't grow up in the church. But um, you hear a lot of people who do, and they're scared because they want to, like, try it out before they buy it and all this stuff. And, and a lot of times it's because we hear the world talking about that. And maybe you even lived a life where you had that pattern where you date someone mainly for sex, get bored, and then move on. And, like, it just was, like, a repetitive thing. And I think in that scenario, you're setting yourself up to believe that lie because you are going to get bored if that's all that it's based on. And once you get into marriage and you start facing life's issues and um, growing deeper relationally and in your love, like, you're going to be more bound to each other and it's not going to go out like that. And, well, let me put a disclaimer. As long as you choose to not let it go out like that, it won't. And so everything in marriage is so intentional and leading up to that is so intentional. And if you're believing lies like about sex or transparency or your history or whatever it is, like those are things that need to be figured out before marriage because like I said, it only gets magnified in and it becomes more and more complicated to figure out. Um, let's find some other ones because we only have like a minute. Uh, one of the things that uh, that uh, you don't ever want to have uh, regrets when thinking like, man, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done that. Um, and it's not so much regrets that we have, but it's things we kind of wish we would have done uh, prior to marriage. But one of the things that I wish I would have done is a, you know, set myself up better financially getting into marriage, uh, but b like set uh, better. Um, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Habits. Yeah, better habits and routines like in place before uh, getting into marriage. 
uh, coming into it, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to get married. We're going to set up all these routines and, and habits. And, and, like, getting into it, I was like, oh, man, like, we're so busy. And I don't know, our schedules are crazy. Like, how, you know, how are you supposed to set up a routine going into that? Um, but I would have, if, you know, if I could go back and do it over again, I would have set up routines as far as, like, um, you know, getting up and, and getting more in the Word and not waiting to, to bond with Ashley over it, but getting in it uh, for myself um, and doing that for myself. Um, and I'd also like to just say that if it's a feeling that kind of got you into this relationship, so if you are getting in because they make you feel good or you have fun with them, then that same feeling or lack of fun is going to take you straight out of the marriage. So you need to get in for the right reasons and know, like, this is someone I want to live the rest of my life with, that I want to face life's struggles with, joys with, all those things. And someone said to me once, marry someone you'd be so stoked to have your kids grow up and be just like. And, like, I don't know, that, that kind of puts a different flip on it. Like, I want my kids to be awesome, so I want to marry someone that's awesome. I married someone that's awesome, you know? So, <laughs> and one thing, too, if you're dating someone or even if it's you, whatever, you have to, you have to marry them in the, with the thought in mind that whatever flaws they currently have, that they might not ever change. And are you going to be okay with that? And don't think that just because you put a ring on it and they're sporting some bling that it's going to all of a sudden be different because it, it very well might not. And that pops up in our marriage too. Like sometimes I have bad habits or I have bad attitude or like I believe lies and ones that I believed back when we were dating that like I wish I would have figured out too. But it's just like a constant choice to like want to fix, you know, want to like process through them, want to have a healthy relationship and have a healthy marriage is what she was going to say. Um, and be aware if, if someone's like, oh yeah, I can change, I can change, and they make a change, let it play out for a little while. Someone can easily change for a week, two weeks, you know, a month, but let it play out for a month, two months, three months. It takes, people can change, it just takes a while. It takes intentional, like Eric would say, cold-blooded decisions to make changes in your life. And, uh, so not to say that people can't change, but it's very intentional. Uh, and all these things, everything you do has to be with an intention and a purpose. And we're done. Hi. Oh, I'm Kelly. You guys all heard my testimony last week. Um, so I'm coming from a little bit of a different perspective. I am divorced and um, just want to share some things that um, I learned over the course of my marriage, separation, and then divorce. So um, I, <laughs> these questions were really interesting to think about when I was preparing and um, thinking about preparing for marriage. Um, I definitely did all of the textbook things that people talk about. So my former husband and I went to premarital counseling. We read a lot of books, um, Men Are From Mars and Men Are From Venus, you know, all that good stuff. Um, we talked about our past and the history before um, we met each other and what that looked like. Um, we had a that whole checklist where it was like, okay, you go to church, you know how to pray, you want kids, you're closer with your family, like check, check, check. Um, what I'll say just as far as what I learned about preparing for marriage is um, 
If that peace about that person doesn't come naturally, then that's something to really, really stop and pay attention to. Um, if something feels even just a little bit off, it might be because something is a little bit off. And that's something, again, to just stop. That's not a good time to make decisions. It's not a good time to, um, to make any decisions, but to just stop and, and think about that. Um, I think we're really all pretty sensitive human beings, like sensitive to God's word, sensitive to um, what he's speaking to us. And oh, what's the passcode so I know how much time, Eric? I know, but it'll stress me out. Um, we will, you will feel the peace. You will feel it one way or another. And if you don't, just pay attention. Um, because I've sat across from people, and I feel like they're almost selling this to me. They're almost defending it. And I did it too, and I convinced them, you know. And it was like, I, you're going to make the decision, but I just want to know, do you have peace at the end of the day? And do you have to force it, or does it come naturally? And to me, that's like one of the most important things that I want to see for myself, that I would want to see for any of you. So anyway, um, what I learned after marriage, so many things. Um, but one of, well, there's so many, but I'll start with one, is communication. And um, being single now, and whoever is single or even married now, communication is so important. You're going to have probably the most awkward conversations when you're married about so many things. But I would say start practicing now. Start practicing um, talking about conflict. Start um, practicing talking about truth. Um, practicing confrontation. Practicing expressing how you feel, your disappointments, your hurts. Like just with people who are safe, your friends or family around you, start really, really putting it out there. This is how I felt when you said this. This is how this made me feel, you know. To, uh, practice affirming them. Practice all of those things because um, sometimes you go back to like your old communication style of what you learned growing up. And in order to put, to start something new, you have to put that into practice. So don't let it become where you're married and you're sitting across from your spouse, and I'm kind of more like Mike, where it was like, how do I feel? I don't know. I, do you have some words that I can circle? You know, I just didn't know how to express. I didn't know how to feel until I really sat down and got intentional and said, how do I feel? How did that make me feel? Why do I feel hurt? Why am I angry? You know, just those kind of things. So um, another thing I would say is, um, ooh, this one's hard. Um, I'll skip that for now. No, I won't. Um, don't ever stop giving or loving or honoring your spouse, no matter what. At no point in your marriage or in your relationship can they do something that makes it okay for you to dishonor them or for you to stop loving them. Um, in my marriage, there was a time where my husband needed to take time for himself and needed to focus on himself and couldn't focus or anything on me. And I thought, oh, well, if you're not putting anything out there, I'm not either. Like, why would I do that to give more than I'm actually getting back? And then it, 
it was just such an important lesson I learned. Keep giving, keep loving. That, like I said last week, timing, if you're waiting for something, there's a purpose in every single day. Just like when you're loving someone, there's a purpose with ev all of it. It will never go wasted, ever, I promise you. Even if you don't get it back from that person, um, you're never wasting love. You're never wasting grace. You're never wasting honor when you give it to somebody, even if it's not returned. Um, <laughs> boundaries. Oh, gosh. No one wants to hear about boundaries. <laughs> But um, that's probably one of the most important things looking back on relationships and my marriage is boundaries. And once you and the person you're in a relationship have those set, I totally suggest watching that person and them watching you. How do you handle those? How do you respect that person? Not just talking to guys like, yes, men are the leaders and all of that, but girls, you, the guys should be watching you too. Because how you handle that, um, that part of your life while you're in a relationship is so important. How they honor you, how they honor themselves. That is so key. I would just highlight that. Um, if you're continuing to flip-flop across your boundaries, there's a reason. That's a, that's a character thing. That's a heart thing. It's not just, oh, we have so much passion and sexual chemistry. Like, no, you don't. It's not cute. It's not romantic. It's none of that stuff. Cut it out. <laughs> um, and then my last thing is take your time. Because I remember, you know, I told you guys that I was separated for a year. And throughout that year, I feel like I was really being encouraged. Like, make a decision. Come on, do it. Like, you're in limbo, back and forth figure it out. And I remember thinking, I am in no rush. This is a huge decision. I'm in no rush to get to just go get a divorce. Like, I want to wait, and I will wait as long as I have to until I feel that peace, until I know with full confidence that I am doing the right thing. And it was really hard. It was really, really hard. But I can remember the moment I had the peace. I can remember the moment I said, God, I feel like you are telling me to take the next step. And it really resonated with me because I thought, ooh, ouch, like what if I had done that when I was dating someone? What if I had said, I will not move until I feel like God is leading me to this next step? I'm not going to rush. I'm not going to get, oh, let's look at rings or oh I wonder what my bridesmaids would wear colors and all that stuff don't don't get distracted like this is like Eric said one of the the most important decision other than following Christ that you will make I promise you that it will not um, you will not regret waiting so um, I think my time's up but that's that's what I have She actually had another minute. <laughs> oh, this is funny, because one thing I did not want to talk about, I'm going to talk about it. Um, so I, 
remember reading about love and respect. You know, women want love, men want respect. And I was like, oh, yeah, respect. I really respect him, whatever that means. It's kind of like in class where you're like, it's way too late to ask what the teacher taught the first day. Like, now I can't look stupid. But I remember thinking, like, I don't know what respect means, looks like, feels like. I don't know if I'm doing it right or whatever. But it wasn't until probably two years into my marriage where I really started understanding what respecting a man looks like and how that feels and how important that is. No matter if they, no matter um, what's happening in your marriage, um, that a man truly needs respect, respect and independence to make decisions and um, the freedom to make decisions and not feel controlled, but feel supported. And um, there's such a beauty in respecting a man and not, um, what's the word? Controlling, manipulating, thank you, Ashley, you know me well. Um, and not controlling a man. So find that beauty. It's an art. Again, it won't be wasted once you learn that. And um, yeah, that's <laughs> She tricked me. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm Mandy. I'm married to Sean, the Sri Lankan that comes up here and talks sometimes. So I wish she was here tonight because. Um, in my opinion, he speaks a lot better than I do, but um, just to kind of give you guys some background on us, we started dating and got engaged six months later and then married five months after that. So we didn't even know each other for a full year. So for us, um, learning about marriage, we did a lot of practical things. We all knew how to clean and cook, and yes, Sean knows how to cook. He's very good at it. Um, planning, scheduling, so Sean has shown a lot of people this app you can get on your phone called the Weekly Calendar, and we, you know, coincided the two and learned how to uh, plan our schedules around each other, so that was really good. Uh, we also learned things um, like praying together, supporting one another, and then we also did Christ Life. Christ Life for me was really important. Um, I had a lot of past hurts and wounds that I needed healing from. And Christ's life was a way that I learned how to utilize the lie detector, get to the root of issues, and also become transparent about my past and the things that I had to go through. When you get married, you learn a lot about the other person, but a lot about yourself. So you learn the practical things, how to live with the other person. We didn't live together before marriage, so um, you know you're there all the time. You're next to that person all the time. So we had to learn how to live together. Um, I grew up with five boys, so it was a pretty easy transition to live with a guy. Um, but learning each other's routines and habits was something that we also learned. Um, now some kind of bigger things that I want to talk about that I've learned um, in marriage. So sometimes you go through life and you just start doing things and you, you, start, you stop being with each other and relying on Christ for the things that you need. So one thing that I've learned in marriage is um, 
to, pr to continue to pray together even when you're just going through life because when you just go through the motions, it doesn't bring you and the other person together, you and your spouse together. Um, it just results in just self um, or independence and separation. So we've learned to come together and not just go through life and go through the motions, but um, praying together and being with each other in those moments. Um, one of the things I wrote down is that Sean leads me, but he doesn't take God's place in my life. One of the things that I had to learn um, was that Sean is not God. Um, I started idolizing him and, re and relying on him for a lot of things that only God could provide to me. And one of the things that I, you know, wish I learned before marriage was to lie, rely more on God than I did on him. Um, so this created, like, um, you know, idolize, like I was saying, idolizing. Um, it resulted in horrible arguments. So everything that he would say to me, I would, like, cling to. And, um, and it, you know, the words that he would say weren't the words that God had to say to me. He didn't say things about my identity. And it would make me... Um, fail to realize the truth that God had for me. So one of the things I would recommend, and obviously we were working we've worked past that, and I know now not to do that, um, but one of the things I would say, especially as women, that, God, that your husband doesn't take the place of God. So always keep that in mind. Um, also, just assessing myself in marriage, like what can I do better, or what lies have I come to believe, what, what things can I change in the marriage. Um, like, I don't know which one of you guys was talking. I was agreeing to everything. But one of the things that I've learned how to do is just um, giving and loving him, even when it's hard or even when I don't want to. Um, so, for example, there was a time when, you know, we had an argument. The next morning, we're still, like, irritated at each other. And the Lord was like, you need to go kiss him and say that you love him. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Um, but I did, and it was in that moment that, you know, he even said to me, he's like, I'm sorry for what had happened, and I'm, you know, sorry that we had that argument, and it, it really, I guess, brings you together when you are able to love, even though it's hard, so. Um, one of the things I wrote down is never, do, do not use the word always and never, so it makes a situation appear bigger than it is, and it dramatizes things, it makes that person's actions more dramatic. Because I can't say, Sean, you always leave the toilet seat up. He doesn't always leave the toilet seat up. He may from time to time, but he doesn't always do that. Um, another thing that I learned is that I do have a voice. I hear the Holy Spirit, and God does move in me. And um, I learned to use that voice and to voice my opinions. Um, my husband is great, and he has a lot of knowledge, but I am too. Like, I do have a voice, and God does use me in some pretty amazing ways. Um, I also wrote down that it's important to keep your relationships with um, your, um, like, girls with girls, guys with guys. Like, it's important to keep those relationships because Sean doesn't always understand things that I'm going through. Guys don't always understand periods. So it's important to, you know, make sure that you still have your girlfriends and your guy friends. Um, just throwing that out there. Um, but I agree with a lot of what everybody else said. I was shaking my head the whole time. So that's pretty much all I have. Mandy, you're just as good as Sean. So we are the Clarks. 
We're the last leg of this uh, couple's uh, panel. My name's Eugene. This is my beautiful wife, Angela. And we put together some things that we want to share with you. Now, if some things that we say you're like, oh, Ashley Mike or Mandy or Kelly had already said that, maybe it's God's really trying to drill it into you, okay? So if there's any repeats, maybe it's because of that. That was a good one. Okay, so what did we do to prepare for marriage? <sighs> what didn't we do? So we were together three years before we got engaged and married. Um, one thing we did do, which I highly recommend, is premarital counseling with Lori. Woo! She's awesome. And the first thing you do when you go there is you take these compatibility tests where oh, what do you think of your family? What do you think about your communication style? You answer like these redundant questions and he does one, I do one. And she, she printed it out for us. She was like floored because ours were so similar. Like everything matched up. We were like on point for everything. So um, it was really interesting to see that and then like the things that would come up in our relationship and he's gonna share. Yeah, so on paper, everything looks really great, but then I would feel like we would have situations that would get brought up that I would just literally have no answer to. Um, for example, when we were dating, you know, like the guy is over being pure in the relationship, and so I was the leader over that area, and so, but Angie's love language is physical touch. So trying to find to feel that love language, but then staying pure was kind of difficult. So what would happen is, you know, there would be like some days we would be like hanging out and she would want her love language to be met in a healthy way, of course. But me, I'm thinking, I haven't had a sexual thought all day. Don't touch me. And I would just be, <laughs> and, <laughs> I would be really cold, I would just be really standoffish, and like we would literally be like on opposite sides of the couch, because I'm like, we're doing really good right now, I'm at a really good place, stay over there, yeah. But that was just, what that did was it left her love tank empty, and then when a love tank is empty, then there's a response there. And that response then I, I wasn't quite getting, because I felt like I'm doing good as a leader, right? We're not going down the path, but Really, I was just being cold, and I really wasn't leading us in the right direction. And from premarital, what I learned was even if I can't meet her to the extent that she wants to be met, I could at least do something. And I can at least do something small, and I can own that in a definitely, like, healthy way. And so then we started doing that after premarital, and, then, and even those little things filled her tank. So even now that we are married, even if there's times that maybe I just had like a long day or a long weekend, a long week, and she wants that love tank filled and maybe I don't feel like it, I could at least meet her somewhere. You know, I could at least meet her somewhere to where give her something and then maybe later on give her something else to look forward to. What? Oh, so like if, if, if we're like out in... <laughs> no, 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 the little things while we were dating, I think that, that's, that's what he means, yeah. Um, like, I always thought, oh, we've been dating for, what, two and a half years? We were at, at that point, point. I was like, oh, there's, 
Wait, we're past holding hands. Who, who does that anymore? That's only for people that are like in the beginning stages, you know, and all that stuff. Like we're past that, you know? And so those are, those are the type of things that like I was like, we're never going to be past that point. Guys, you'll never be past that point ever, ever. So either just holding her hand or whether we're just sitting in church and maybe it's putting an arm around her or something small to meet her at that physical touch love language that she has. Foot rubs work too. For some people, I guess, but for me, they work. Um, so another thing we learned with Lori, I learned that I wasn't crazy. And let me elaborate. Um, so, you know, you always hear men are logical, women are emotional, but I don't think you really understand that until you're in a relationship with another man or if you're a guy with another woman. And so we would come into a disagreement or an argument and he'd be very linear with his thoughts. It would make so much sense when he would, would talk through it. And I'm sitting there like, well, why do I feel the way that I do? Like I'm still upset or this and that. And he just is making so much sense. And I would feel like I was crazy because I had all these emotions. And so I know that might be common sense to some of you, but sitting with Lori, she was like, no, you're a woman. Feelings are meant to be felt. Like, that's completely normal. It is okay to feel those things. You feel them, you move on, and then you move to the logical. And that's how I operate, and that's totally fine. And I just needed to hear that maybe from another woman to, like, make me feel like, okay, I'm not a crazy person, and this is okay. Um, yes. So, if you're... Wherever you're, you're at, if you're single, hear me when I say this, own your finances and put a structure to them. Because when you put a structure and you own your finances, you have this level of financial freedom that you can then bring that same freedom into the marriage. Now before, so what happened was Sean Lawrence gave a uh, small group on finances and I went and I hope he does it again soon. Uh, and I went and I was, I was good with my finances, but it, there was a lot of room for improvement. So I went and it just stirred up this thing in me that I was just like this new passion for finances. So while we were dating, like I really put a structure to mine and I started enveloping things and I started putting money away for this and for that and just structuring and putting things in, in place and got this financial freedom to where now when we got married and now I have two accounts and I'm not just living for myself anymore. Like, I have two people now to feed. Um, now, I feel better. And I was actually excited that we were coming in together. And it wasn't like a burdensome because sometimes finances could really put a wedge between two people. But when you really own them, they could really give you a lot of freedom to do the things that you love to do. And for us, her passion is like cooking. She loves cooking. She, loves, she just loves that. And I love that she loves that. But finances was like my thing. So I would just encourage you if you're single, own yours so that you both could have financial freedom and then point out and then figure out which person during the marriage is going to be over the finances. And for that was me because I just had the biggest passion about. And it just, it led us to do like a lot of cool things that we love to do. We love traveling. We love, uh, like she's in school, like we're both in, in, in school. So it was like, and working. So it was, it was really important for us to do that ahead of time leading up to exactly what God kind of wanted us to do in our marriage.
Oh yeah, and kind of like what Mike was saying that, um, you know, Ange had uh, a little bit of debt coming in hand or coming while we were dating. And we had a conversation about it because she was really kind of secretive about her finances. Like she just didn't like talking about them. Um, but she was like, I'm so ready for marriage. I'm so ready. And I'm like, but I have no idea what your finances look like. Uh, <laughs> so we talked about them and then together we got a plan together where to where she got out of debt before we got married. And that was really freeing. And then just blessings and them just became to just kind of trickle off of that. So own your finances, put a structure to them. Trust me, there's so much freedom in that to where it really doesn't matter what you're making. You could be having more financial freedom than somebody that makes more than you if you just put a structure to them. Yeah, he said one of the, one of the things that would open up like him thinking more about marriage is like, well, I don't know where you at, where you are at financially. I don't, I don't know your debt. You don't talk about it. As soon as he said that, I was like, $4,000. Is that what's going to get me the ring? <laughs> okay, so what we've learned since we've been married, we've learned lots. Um, I think the biggest thing um, is about sex. Um, one thing a really good friend of mine told me is, your sex life is a life that you build with your partner. And um, for some people, it might be magical the first time after you get married, and there might be fireworks. But for us, that wasn't the case. And I think I believed, like, it was like the movies, you know, was going to be this amazing thing. But it takes time to build that. It's a whole new dynamic in your relationship. And... You have to, like all the other couples said, you have to be open and willing to communicate what you want. And um, it takes some hard conversations, some embarrassing conversations. But if you want those fireworks, you have to have those conversations. So um, one thing I think um, just you guys should know is that it's, it's a life and that you have to build it. And if it's something new for you, like it's something you're going to be learning about. So, did you want to add to that? Okay. Um, and, okay, so we talked a little bit about love languages, and you hear them a lot. And I didn't realize until after we got married, like, how important they really are. Um, when you get married, you own your, your love languages. And my love languages are opposite of his. So... I'm quality time and physical touch. And if I were to give him that, thinking that I'm going to get a good response from him, that, like, he, he loves that, that's wrong. So figure out your spouse's love languages, like how they receive love, because that's what you're going to want to own. And I feel like that's super important, um, especially if they're not the same. His is gift-giving, and acts of service. So cooking for him and buying him little gifts and stuff like that, and that's totally, like, not what I do. So it's being intentional and saying, like, oh, this is how you receive love, and I want you to feel loved by me. So I have to step out of my comfort zone of what I normally do to love you and do this for you. And... um 
normally I just want to sit down and chat, but that's not how he receives my love, and that's okay. But just being, you know, taking ownership of that and thriving in it because I feel like when he owns his or my love languages, like, it, it's like, yes, like, he knows. He knows me, and I hope that he feels the same way. <laughs> So before we got married, we weren't li living together, and I had never lived with another woman before, and she had never lived with another man other than her dad. Oh, you lived with Colin, yeah. Not like that, though, but <laughs> she was renting a room at his house. Anyway, so um, when we got married, like, you spent a lot of time together. I mean, you're living together. This was, this was all, like, very new for me. So you're living together, you go to sleep together, you wake up together. Weekends, family events, everything is done together. So her love language is quality time. And I'm thinking, we spend a lot of time together. We live together, you know? But I uh, shortly found out that, and what I started doing was, house time was just default time. When I would put something in the schedule and I was really intentional, like she was saying, about owning that love language and like, really putting something in the schedule and being like, yes, we are doing this then, or we are spending time together then. It was then that the love language was actually being met when I was really intentional about owning it and I was intentional about us spending time together, going on dates, exploring things, I mean, biking, wherever it was doing, like if I put her inside of the schedule, that was actually quality time. And then I started really seeing that her love tank was full a lot more often than just assuming that, oh, well, we're, we're home. This is good, right? It doesn't work that way. You have to be intentional about it. Good. Um, I think one thing, too, for any of you couples out there, find a couple that you look up to and that you really admire their relationship and spend some time with them. Um, I think it's really freeing for you because you sit down with a couple that might have breakthrough in some of the areas that maybe you need it or um, just new revelations to learn from them. And I think it's just really valuable to sit down with another couple that's kind of gone through some of the things that maybe you're going through and feed off of each other. Um, we actually did that with a couple, Dale and Julie, they're in Europe right now. And um, it's been really awesome. We, we would sit down with them every may, maybe couple weeks and dialogue and feed off of each other. And her languages are the same as mine and Dale's love languages are the same as his. So it's like, we just like feed off of each other. And I've just learned so much from her. And um, just one thing she had mentioned, because now we do Fierce Love together. It's a couples group. And... Any of you couples need a group to go to? Come on, a fierce love. Um, one thing Julie said, and this has been mentioned already, but um, as Eugene is the pastor of the household and the leader in the relationship, um, you you kind of like think, oh, you have this expectation that, oh, he's going to lead us in prayer. Or he's going to lead us in this and that. And like, we, I am just as responsible for my relationship with God as he is. Like, I am responsible for my own relationship. And um, I think that's just one thing to remember is you can't put all of that on your spouse or your significant other. Like, that's not his place. Um, it's my job to maintain in my intimacy with God. 
And um, I definitely have been learning that. And Okay, we're out of time, but last thing was, it was from that meetup with Dale and Julie that we actually started Fierce Love, so you never know what's going to come out of it. So many people say that, like, oh, my first year was a battle, or the first year was just so hard, like, we were just at each other's throats the whole time. Like, listen, it does not have to be that way for you guys. Our first year was so much fun, like, granted, it was learning situation with us living together, but... I mean, we just figured out what do we love doing together? We love, we found out that we love thrifting, we like biking, we like going downtown, we love traveling, like we just, movies, all kinds of things that we just loved doing together and we just did that all of the time. And then coming into our second year is really now like, we started really owning like, okay, where is God taking us as a couple? And so we've started praying more together and just seeing like just the, the rewards that are coming out of that. Um, not to say that God wasn't in our first year, but he's now really ushering him in for the second. So I just declare, like, all you guys are uh, just great, and um, thank you for listening. So, Brett, I'm thinking maybe we have some, thank you, some questions so I'm going to ask the guys who spoke to come up. Awesome. What have you found works when balancing out individual time and together time? Raise your hand if you have something. I think for me and Ashley, balancing the individual time and, and uh, together time, for me, I'm actually recently learning this is I need to speak up when I need individual time. Um, for me, I, I'm kind of like I like to like make Ashley happy, and it's like if she wants to do something, I want to do it together with her. Um, or if she, she needs that. But I also needed to voice my opinion on, hey, I need some time for myself. I, I have this project that I want to do. Um, so I had to voice that, uh, that, that need to want to have individual time. So as soon as I acknowledged that, she was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Totally do that. I have something else that I want to do, you know, individually. Uh, real quick, one thing we did is we got that calendar app and you sync each other's calendars. So whatever he puts something in the calendar, I see it and vice versa. So I just schedule, I'm studying all day. You know, that's my day. So he sees that, he knows, okay, I'm, doing, I'm on my own. Or, you know, I got something to do or he's got something to do. So it's like we see that. Um, and I think also scheduling date nights is a good way because that, that way you know, like, I'm, we're for sure doing our thing. And then whenever you need that individual time, you just schedule it in. Next question, please. Ask them out. <laughs> okay, actually, I'm going to need to go off. Don't be all, like, sending Facebook messages and text messages. Like, that's not how a girl wants to be pursued, guys. Okay? Seriously. Can I get an amen? Yeah. 
Um, those are my thoughts. And girls, don't ask a guy out. It's not that cool. If you really are interested in a guy and they're not interested in you or they're not man enough to go and ask you out, then that's a red flag right from the beginning. Don't be playing that game. Let them um, be interested in you. Next. I don't know if this is normal, but we talked about everything. And um, I know Nafa said before, him and Camille, like there were certain things about like past relationships, like they just didn't want to know the details of things. And that was, they said that after we had already talked about everything. So um, we talked about like a lot of details, probably more than we needed to. And there's some things that might not bear a ton of fruit. Like I don't need to know, you might need to know all the details of like every interaction that you've had with someone before. But um, that's really the only thing I can think of. I mean, everything else in our relationship, at least, was free game. Like, you can ask any question. I'll tell you whatever. Hey, where's your chair? <laughs> One of the things I forgot to say is the way that I chose these people to speak is because I was a part of every single relationship. And when you ask people to talk about relationships, and it's the most important decision that they're going to make, that you're ever going to make, you want to know the fruit of their lives. I know the fruit of their lives. It doesn't mean that they were all perfect because none of them were. <laughs> but they walked in truth and they've had powerful fruit as a result. Next. Um, I think that the way that the church responded um, had a lot to do with how it played out in the end. I think that um, oftentimes divorce ends or marriage ends suddenly. People make really rash decisions when... Um, something happens or someone says something and it, you know, it's, it's either a breakdown or something happens or whatever. And I really just think with so many things, it's how you respond to a situation that really matters. So, um, uh, I think that I feel like the, the church responded well, I would say. Um, and that was because I just feel like I was so open and I was so desperate and I wasn't hiding anything and it wasn't like, um, I wasn't blaming. There was no um, mudslinging. It was very as respectful and as clean as a divorce can be. Um, I still don't love <laughs> divorce by any means. I hate it. I think it's an ugly word but I think there's uglier words than divorce. And um, I just think that respecting yourself and your spouse um, throughout that whole process is the most important thing. So uh, I don't remember the last part of the question. Um, oh, encourage other people. You know, I still wouldn't, I don't know. These are just my own opinions, but I still wouldn't encourage divorce. 
I would just encourage them to um, work on themselves, focus on themselves, take time, um, let the emotions just, you know, ride the wave because you don't want to make any decisions based off of that. But um, with friends that are that have gone through it, or even my own friends, they just listened and loved and didn't try to push me one way or another. Um, they were just, uh, it was really hard, but um, they just let me land where I was going to land. So, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Next. <laughs> You know, I have to say that, who, who said it about finances? Oh yeah, you guys, if, if you're ready to talk about those kind of things, then that's a really big um, key. Also, one thing that I was gonna mention is when I was um, dating and thought I was ready, thought that I was ready for marriage, I now would encourage people to take a look at all of their relationships. Um, I know when I was getting married, a lot of my relationships were on the rocks, and that wasn't because of them. It was because of me, and I think that that just showed where I was at maturity-wise, where my heart was at, what I was ready to face, what I wasn't, and um, that was a really big thing. So I know, you know, you're not going to have perfect relationships across the board, but to the best that you can, I think that's a really good indication that you're mature enough, strong enough, and ready for a relationship. I think also uh, when you ask yourself the question, well, why do I want to date? Do you want to date just to fill a void? Uh, are you lonely? You just want somebody to spend time with? Uh, if so, you know, we're in a huge group, meet some friends, hang out, you know, go to coffee. Um, but if you're really ready to search for somebody to get married to, um, you know, that, that would be the right purpose to actually start dating somebody. So um, for me, uh, meeting Ashley kind of actually came to a, came at a point where I was like, I don't really want to date anybody anymore. Like the previous um, relationships that I had had, it was like, man, I just want to date somebody because, you know, I'm bored. It's the thing to do. Um, and I, I had the, the void that I was just kept trying to fill. But as soon as I was kind of like, ah, I just want to, you know, ride my bike and like hang out with God, like it was like, boom! All of a sudden, Ashley shows up at Epic Life, um, and she happened to like biking too. So uh, we became good friends before we ever really started dating at all. Um, so that's just how it worked uh, for me. Also, because I wasn't ready to date for a good year or two, which is why, hence the five to six years that we knew each other. <laughs> Next. All right. Well, I think after we got engaged, then like we were really like, then like the topic like came up and I mean the topic of sex, I just feel like not even when you're engaged, but it definitely needs to be talked about even before, um, just as you are 
are dating and like what boundaries look like, what the guy looks like as, as a leader, where you feel like each other are strong and weak in those different areas. Um, I don't really feel like it should wait until any certain time. I feel like um, the earlier you talk about it and figure out what path you're, you're going to go down towards uh, purity, the better. Um, because then it's really going to set you guys up for like an open dialogue later on. And uh, starting that sooner than later, I would highly recommend. So we're talking about sexual boundaries. Sexual boundaries, yeah. Not the actual topic of sex. I get, yeah. Well, I would assume the topic of sex, because you're restraining from it, then talk about, okay, we are going down this, this route, and this is what it's going to take for us to go down here. Um, that's what I feel like should be the context of the sex conversation in a relationship before marriage. Next. Um, I was just going to say that um, it was brought up pretty early just because, you know, both of us had had sex prior to getting engaged and married. And so it, it was brought up pretty early, but only because that was part of our past and we wanted to be completely transparent with one another. Um, so, yeah. One thought just on dating with that is I think so often, like, all right, well, you'll ask someone out, you'll kind of start hanging out, like we say. And then there's never, like, an actual transition into being boyfriend and girlfriend. And I think that that is such an important step that gets skipped. And it's also a really important step that gets rushed into. Um, so I think, especially at that, like, transition, by that point, like, that needs to be very specific on what you're, and if you guys are on the same page with dating. Um, and not just, like, letting it be this wishy-washy, like, we're kind of together. Because that also brings up, like, a whole bunch of lies. Like, am I completely committing to this relationship, or am I kind of holding back, because I don't know if they're kind of looking at other options. So I think that needs to be like a really defined line. Next. Um, he asked, a lot of people talk about purity, but why do they fail? And um, one thing that I was thinking about with us, even after we had been, so we had crossed those lines, and then it's like, oh, I really want you to, like, stay strong with me and not cross those lines. And it was so interesting, and I've heard this from girls, um, is that the second that he would hold that line and not be pursuing me or making moves, it all of a sudden would, like, flare up these insecurities in me, like, whoa, is he not interested anymore? And, like, you know, all this stuff. And then I would almost start making moves on him, even though that's not what I want. And so you really have to be like not believing lies in your mind and you really have to be committed and you have to know why, because initially we were just doing it because that's what we're supposed to do, you know, and, um, and then really seeing the value in it and the dis destruction that it was bringing to our relationship. So I think you have to see the value of it for what it is. Um, and just stay strong with that and not wait, like Knopf always says, don't wait till you're in the back seat with the windows fogging up until you decide, oh, we probably shouldn't do this. Like you, it's the five steps before that that really help protect you. Like we got to a point where we didn't even kiss because we knew that the second you start kissing, at least making out, making out gets all hot and heavy. When you get all hot and heavy, your clothes come off. So it's like slippery, really quick slope. Um, 
Um, I was just going to say set up boundaries for one another. Um, one lie that I became, I came to believe was just, okay, we're engaged now, so we're already going to have sex. We're going to be married, so what does it matter? Um, so that was a lie I came to believe, and, um, you know, we, we crossed the line also, and it was hard, but we had to set out, set up boundaries after that had happened, and strict boundaries, like, you have to leave by eight, like, and have accountability, have accountability partner with you, or someone that's going to hold you accountable to your boundaries. Um, well, as we mentioned, my love language is physical touch, and so we had to come up with a way to still meet that without crossing a boundary. And I still feel loved. So we were able to balance that. And I feel like that really helped us um, in that area. And just like they said, I mean, boundaries. And don't be horizontal with each other. Ever. Sorry, you don't mean to keep talking, but... Um, a huge one for us was moving in with people that had the same values as us. So initially, when we were dating, I intentionally moved in with people that didn't because I knew I'd be able to do whatever I wanted. And when I was finally, it's the reality, it's the reality of it. So when I was really ready to make a change and really start heading down the right path, I intentionally put myself in a home where there was going to be no crap taken. Like, he was not going to be able to spend the night, he was not going to be able to be in my room, any of that stuff. We still found ways to go do it in other places. But you have to, like, that's it. You have to want to be pure and, um, and eliminate all of those lies because it it's a tough choice, but it's a daily, like, a very daily, hourly, minutely thing. Yeah, and she kind of touched on it before, but know why you're doing it, not just because, oh, they say we're not supposed to. Like, know why you're doing it. And don't just, like, ask somebody, hey, why, uh, why shouldn't I do this? Like, research it for yourself. Like, when, when we started digging into it, and I started researching it, and just, like, like wow, like, the, the chemical, you know, balances and, and, like, how that affects you. And it's just really interesting how God created that intimate moment for a married couple and how it brings them together and how it does destroy, like, future relationships and, and just, like, takes that piece of somebody else away. And so it's just very, it's very interesting from a scientific point and from just a, a, a spiritual point just like how, how God will bless you uh, when you decide to hold that boundary. And even if you, you know, have not withheld that boundary, like me and Ash, we didn't hold that, that boundary, but uh, getting engaged, we were able to, you know, make a commitment and hold the boundary, and God was still able to bless us in it. So um, don't feel any shame or condemnation because of that. And the other question that I'd like for you to answer is, most of you were sexual prior to marriage, either with each other or with other people. How did you find a way to look at yourself and also to look at your spouse so that you were healthy going into it and you still saw a value in waiting? Um, I don't know. For us... The previous relationship, we both each had been with one person, and I don't, I don't feel that either of us really brought that into our relationship together. But I think um, having crossed that line before, you cross the line a lot quicker in the next relationship. Like, 
I wasn't raised Christian. I didn't know to wait till marriage, but we still waited like a really long time for like non-Christian relationships just because we'd never crossed that line before. Most of you have been sexual prior to marriage. How did you overcome the shame of your own past sex life and also looking at your spouse to see each other and see each, and to enjoy each other sexually so that the shame didn't go into your marriage? I think one conversation that Mike and I had was when you're dating, and especially when you're having sex outside of marriage, there's this different, like, thrill factor, like, like, let's, I don't get into all these details, but like, meet somewhere, do all these different things, and there's, and you have this fear that it won't have the same kind of thrill on the other side of marriage, and it's true, like, it's different. It doesn't mean that it's bad, it's just like a different kind of thrill, a different, it's not like this mischievous thing anymore, and so I think that was something we actually had to work through, because that was a lie we were both believing, like, what's this going to look like on the other side, and, um, I don't, I don't know, we had shame in the midst of dating, but then once we stopped, then, we just prayed through it, and we were, I, I experience no shame now, but. Uh. Yeah. Um, speaking to, like, before, Ashley, I think the, the biggest thing I had to do was, a, I had to forgive myself um, for what I had done, and, um, and just, like, let God, like, like, speak to me, and speak to my identity, and, and who I was, and that's not who he created me to be, um, and really just speak to kind of that wound that I created in myself. Um, so it, just, it started with forgiving myself for making that choice and for not waiting. I agree with that. Um, yeah, definitely forgiving yourself for um, whoever you've been sexually active before your, your um, spouse. Um, and then, you know, forgiving them as well and having that open conversation with them, being transparent um, letting them know this is my past, this is what I've done. Um, I think that that has helped us, and I don't feel I don't feel any shame. But um, <laughs> I remember on my wedding day, um, it was really an interesting moment for me to stand up there and not feel strong and not feel completely proud. And even though my husband at the time, or we were getting married, we didn't have sex, I still didn't feel strong. So it wasn't just about sex. I mean, you can, there's, you can get creative, obviously, and not have sex, but it's not about that. I think for me, it was just a moment where I realized um, I didn't have a vision for who I was and what I deserved and what um, my spouse deserved and who he was. And I just felt like there was such a lack of true identity and true vision more than anything else. It wasn't really about sex. It, it came out in that outlet, but it wasn't um, about that. And I think just now on the other side, just knowing how important that is that... Um, your strength and your identity um, will come out in that. And um, it, there was definitely some shame to work through. Um, I don't feel shame now um, by any means, but um, it was definitely a, a long road of cleaning some stuff up 
and um, uh, I think that's all. Um, for me, I had not had sex with anybody before we got married, um, but Eugene had, and just learning to not let that affect us or our sexual aspect of our marriage. Um, learning, like, that's not who he is anymore, and that's not connected to him anymore, and he's going into this marriage um, in, a, in a relationship with me, and it's a different dynamic, different from all the other ones in the past. And believing that, I think, really helped me, and I did believe um, going into it because he was experienced that, like I had mentioned earlier, like the, the sex life was going to be incredible in the beginning because he knew what he was doing. Um, but just, you know, just, I mean, I'm being honest. So, but we have a different relationship. We're married. We have this different bond. It's different than the, the, his past. And so he went into it new as well. And, um, we were learning it together and, you know, we're building it together and it's amazing now. So I'll just say that. And last, last, last thing to say on this, before uh, we had got married, um, you know, before I, I had actually, like, recommitted my life to God, and I was just like, okay, all of it's done, like, God, my junk, everything is, like, all yours, and I had made the commitment uh, to stay pure, and I met up with Eric, and we, he kind of, like, let me know that whenever you're sexual with somebody in that type of manner, especially like when you have sex with somebody, like, you have a soul tie towards that person. So I literally went home and I wrote out a, a whole list of, 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 of everybody and I just repeated this like prayer that broke the soul tie from me and everybody else. And, but just because you make the commitment to purity doesn't mean that like all those memories, all those thoughts, everything that just goes away, like I had to train my mind not to focus on those thoughts, not to focus on those memories. And whatever you starve, will eventually die. And that connection that I had with them is now gone. And now that glue that I once gave them is now I have back. And now I just, the whole time we were just dating, I, I was just disconnecting myself from that life so I can get that glue back so that me and her could really actually stick like, like we should. Um, I feel shame. I had been around, like, like I had always like, God, kind of been on that roller coaster of like, okay, I was doing good, then I'll slip up, doing good, slip up. So then I made the commitment to just then stop, and I, I didn't feel really any shame because I knew this is, this is like done. And when I'm committed and I say, I can't go back to this, and God's behind me, man, Vikal, get on the accordion, man. I'm, it just, there's nothing you could, like, there's nothing anybody could do to stop you. And I, I knew if I was committed and God's behind me, I could see, I, I could see this, this thing through. So there wasn't really any shame. It was just being intentional about disconnecting myself from that and fully stepping into the man that God really has called me to be.
Next. What does it mean for the man to be the leader in the relationship? Well, isn't that the question? Um, you know, I was always really submissive and really insecure, like, my entire life. So I was always the guy that, like, kind of, like, hid. Like, my insecurity didn't cause me to be loud. It just caused me, like, like, to just more so hide. But coming into, like, a really place of identity and a really, like, a place of wholeness um, and just a place of just le leadership, the way that it kind of looks in um, our marriage, and it's just, it's not something that, like, I really think about. It's just some, some things that just, like, happen. Um, but, like, big decisions and things that, like, I make, like, I make sure that, like, I'm firm in my decision-making, but then I'm also flexible for the marriage. And a lot of times, like, I make, and that was the hardest thing for me, was really making hard decisions and making decisions, like, in the, in the moment, but I knew if I really want to step into being the leader that I know God's called me to be, I need to start putting these things into practice and then also rolling that stuff over into the marriage. So a lot of times, a lot of like decisions like of making of either it's my own personal walk with God or maybe it's just decisions that we are, are, are making, I head those up. But then sometimes the best decision for that is me and her talking and coming into a place of... Um, coming to an agreement on that. Um, I hope that really answers that, but that's really where I go. I, I make firm in my decisions, but I'm also flexible for um, the marriage. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think um, in a big way for the man to be the leader, especially women, like, find a man that you know is submitted to God. And I can trust Mike's decisions because I know he's submitted to God and that he's seeking God's guidance in different areas. And if, if you're in a relationship where that's not the case, there's a lot of anxiety. Because as women, one of our number one needs is to have security. And so I have security in knowing that. And I have security in where he's leading us with different things. Um, and so just me, like, trusting in him. And, you know, I still have a voice. So submitting to him doesn't mean that I'm just, like, submissive and just don't share my opinion, don't do anything, but we communicate respectfully with each other and, um, and I trust in his guidance and leadership for our marriage, so. Just trusting, um, like Ashley was saying, just trusting that your husband is gonna make right decisions and communicate those with you and being respectful and um, sometimes there's compromise that you, you have to make, but if you, if your husband is following the Lord and he's seeking the Holy Spirit for direction, then there is that huge, huge level of trust, so. And that trust is something that guys need. Guys need to be able to lead someone who, who trusts them. Um, for me, I, like, I don't speak a whole lot of, of words, but when I do speak, like, it's powerful and I know what I'm saying, um. So if I ever get questioned uh, on what I say, it's kind of like, oh, you just questioned me on that. Like, I thought I made my point very clear. Um, <laughs> but, and that's where Eugene pretty much, you nailed it on the head. Just like learning how to, to lead but be flexible for the marriage. Because obviously if she spoke up against something uh, that I said, then 
uh, there's a reason for it. So I trust her heart in that, that she wouldn't ever try and maliciously attack something that I said. Back to the um, sex and shame and all that, I think there's another side of the coin too, especially these days that's really prominent, is pornography with that also. So maybe you've never even had sex, but that's a problem. Um, starting to break those kinds of patterns now is so critical because a lot of times I think there's this misconception that when you get into marriage and you start having sex, that that desire will go away. And you hear time and time again that that is not the case. And so just breaking those mind patterns and researching and looking into what is causing all that and like what is the root of that and surrounding yourself around men or women or like being vulnerable and sharing where you're at with stuff and just start like getting yourself ready to like go into a healthy marriage. You can always tell how well people are going to, because the Bible says to submit you one to another. So you can always tell how well your significant other is going to submit Look at how they can follow leadership with their parents, with their boss, with their professors, because they, something may be dysfunctional somewhere, but if it constantly doesn't work throughout their life, you need to back yourself up, because I don't care how gorgeous they are, they're going to be hell to live with. So, thank you all for coming. Um, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. A short prayer, and then we're just going to enjoy being around each other, and this is the night. So, God, we just ask you to help the things stick with us that are supposed to stick. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for the wisdom that there is in the word about relationships and for the wisdom that there is in this fellowship. Bless these precious people as they sort these things out. Amen.